0: This is the way the huntsman rides ride a gallop, gallop, a gallop, gallop. This is the way the huntsman rides a gallop and galloping gallop down into the ditch. Good riddance to bad rubbish. This is an episode about citronella, and I guess it's not just citronella in the history of sabbing, but the kind of s- masking scents with spray. Um, but before we talk about that, I uh, wondered if you'd be up for just kind of introducing yourself?
1: Okay. My name's Colin. I've been sabbing for 40 years, and I was a previous tactics officer of the Nash- National National of
0: Brilliant. Um, and... At the moment, the current favoured, um, kind of spray used by SABs is citronella. Um, are you able to talk a little bit about, like, what citronella spray is and, and what it does?
1: Yes, of course. Obviously, you know, as humans, we don't really live in a world of scent, but obviously that the hound hound, and pox do live in a world of scent, and it's good that we try to understand it, which enables us to sabotage a hundred. Obviously, what happens is that, Fox, is it's being chased, is leaving a, a scent trail behind it, and equally, as the hounds are pressing the fox um, closely, as it becomes more stressed, the the fox will actually sweat more, and the hound experience will actually realise that the fox is getting close to being beaten, and you can actually hear a different sound in the pitch that the hound, the, the sound that the hounds will make when they're baying, because they know that the kill is close. Now, what we're trying to do with citronella is enter a different animal world that obviously we don't fully understand, but we're trying to mask that scent of the fox so the hounds can't get off after the quarry.
0: Okay. And um, do you have any insight on the, I guess, the kind of the... Um, the chemical side of, of how citronella works is it's a masking spray, right? It doesn't
1: it's a masking step. There's there's two different ways of using it. Um one is you nearly know, you all Saddle carry citronella, um, or similar. And what they will do is use it you know, as and when demanded, basically any time they see a fox running across a path in front of them, they can go down and spray after the fox. It's obviously very important that they always wait for a while and wait for the fox to get well clear. As much as we want to save the fox, the fox doesn't realise that we want to that we're here to save it, you know what I mean? So you, there's always the danger of turning a fox back if you don't give it a little bit of a head start. But the way to do it obviously some of it is time dependent. Uh, it might just be that the fox runs across in front you and you've only got for very brief time to spray just out of you little know, garden squirters. And But if you've got more time, you can obviously um, spray not just the the area you've seen across over a path, but where it's come from and where it's going to. So you've covered a much larger area. Now, in uh, hunting days on past, when hunting was purely legal, all the huntsman would do was he'd try to take his hounds from this area, because what will happen with the citronella if it's been affected? is the hounds will start milling around because they've lost the scent. But he will try to take the hounds around this area and recast them um, further, basically, in the direction the fox has gone to try to pick up the scent again. But when you you use Hitchinella in conjunction with voice calls and other things, when the hounds have actually paused and they're milling around, that gives you, then, an opportunity to take the hounds off in another direction with uh, voice and horn calls. Yeah. Now, the other occasion where you use citronella, and probably most effective, and probably not so much used by, um, as many stab groups possibly should do, um, is to do various forms of pre spray. Now, a lot of, um, in years gone past, it, information on hunts was you know, much, much better, and you always knew where the hunts were, and now more stuff comes by um, hip offs and we have less time to prepare. But if you do have time to prepare, basically, uh, pre-spraying is an incredibly effective technique. Now, a fox hunt will say meet at 11 o'clock and they'll go on to three thirty. And what they will do in the course of that time is draw a number of woods. Now, the process of drawing is basically to put your hounds into a wood attempting to pick up the centre of a fox. Now... Say, like, the whole process will take X amount of minutes, Say like, just, say, hypothetically, half an hour. And, obviously, in between 11 o'clock and 3.30, you've only got so many segments of half an hour. So if you mess them mess them about for half an hour, you've put them back in time, and you've gained time for the process. Now, the way pre-spray is done is you need to study on that, look at the woods that are close to the meat, and what you need to do is basically... Spray and hopefully, the a load of people in a line, pushing, doing the scent away from the meat to the edge of a wood. Because not only are you pre spraying and, and masking all the of fox, but you're also effectively pre beating. Because the sheer action of a load of sap in a line going through a wood will beat out any fox and any, well, quite a lot of other animal animals as well, like deer for instance, will come out. Now, the result of this will be. But when the hunt comes along, they will um, put their hounds into this wood and effectively there's nothing in it. So what they've done is wasted half an hour. And if they've wasted half an hour, there's only a certain amount of half an hour until three thirty and you just keep on need to repeat repeating that process to completely ruin their day. Equally, um, a lot of huntsmen if they smell the canera and you know, you can liberally smell it spray it everywhere. Quite often, they won't even put, in, put bother putting the hounds in, and they'll have to move somewhere else, which again wastes waste time if they're moving around.
0: Okay, yeah, that's um, that covers a lot of ground of, of what I was going to ask. Uh, just to get into a little bit more detail on the first use of pre spraying that you mentioned, so along the line of a fox that you've already seen running. Um, this is a really basic question. But hopefully, um, you know, I, I don't think you can ever be uh, too studied on on the basics. But like, how how would you be spraying? Um, say you've seen a fox run um, through a hedge, across a field, and into you know maybe through another hedge row or something. Um, could you describe exactly how it's supposed to be sprayed? I, you know, would you be spraying the the hedge where it came through, and then in the quite quite a wide space along the line that it took?
1: You have got to be um, careful. There's lots of factors that will affect things. One of the most important things is the wind. Um, if you're, you know, you basically want to spray at a lower height so that the spray contacts, you know, the grass, bracken, whatever is around there and sticks to that. If you're just spraying in the, in the air and a windy day, effectively your spray is going like 10 or 20 foot one way or other. Um, you'll actually often see this. When you see a fox being chased by hounds, on a windy day, the fox might be on one line, but the hounds might be, say, 10 yards away from it because they're following where the scent is at that time. They're not necessarily directly on the line that the fox has taken, but they're following the, li- the scent line, if you sort of mean. One of the, but the most effective things to do, if you've got a choice of where to throw, you want to try to, if, if you haven't much time, obviously a linear barrier like a hedge is obviously very good because it enables you to stop the hounds you're going to use a spray in conjunction with voice calls. Now, say a hedge, which is obviously going to be a very common thing, you spray all around the hedge. First of all, if you've got more time, as I said before, you can spray where it's come from and where it's gone to. But just say you're concentrating spray on the hedge, it's a good place to do it because it's a good barrier. And then you want to combine that with a line of saboteurs um, rating the hound. Now, rating is the process of basically telling the hounds to go back to the hunting and you'll be clapping the hound your hands which um basically mimics uh down the whip and shouting things like leave it leave it leave it which is a hunting call whippers will do and back to him to push the hounds back to the huntsman and away from the fox
0: yeah great and um on the uh second use of of pre-spraying um how, if if you know the meat ahead of time, how early would you be getting somewhere to start pre spraying?
1: Obviously, a lot of um, scenting is a very complex issue. The hunts themselves quite massive you know, about it. But basically, scents, either the scent of the fox or the citronella, last best on a cold, damp day. There's other days, if it's like really warm, really windy, that will get rid of your scent and get rid of the scent of the fox and also get rid of the, t- of the citronella. Now, ideally, you want to be in there probably about an hour before they get in there. Um, it is this very important thing to, re- to realise that the pre-spraying is effective but equally you're pre-beating the woods at the same time. So what you need to do, obviously, is to look at the map, work out where the meat is, and then choose this line of woods. Now, you'll probably have time to do um, maybe two or three woods before the actual hunt starts at, say, eleven fifteen. You know, if you get there an hour early, you can do probably quite a few. Equally, um, another way of doing it is they will choose bridleways, which is obviously effectively like horse motorways, to ride up and down. So you can spray the bridleways and spray gates and spray exits. You'll find gates at the an So you can concentrate the sprays in areas that you know they will cross, because basically you're t- trying to take out the hounds' noses for a while or they effectiveness of their tenting apparatus for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But certainly the pre-beating is probably about an hour. If you, if you go much before that, your scent will also dissipate itself. You will effectively, still, pre-beat the woods, but your spray will be starting to disappear a bit. Mm-hmm. And equally, um, a lot of times, another really effective use of it, um, a lot of huntsmen can be really, really sneaky in the way that if you've got them off a wood in, I'm oh, sorry, if you've got them off a fox in one would say, quite often the huntsman's got that in the back of the mind that you know he's going to try to get back back and kill that fox later on and you may well take the stabs on a massive ride round to basically knock them out and then come back to that wood to redraw that wood and try to get the fox again. So any time where you've had like a direction where the, the fox has been only yards in front of the hounds and managed to stop them, it's always a good idea to drop a load of spray there as well because they could well come try to come back later in the day to re-hunt that fox. It's very common.
0: This is Gizzy just jumping in as I'm editing the episode. Um, when I first started trying to put this episode together, I'd initially hoped to talk with the current HSA tactics officer but, for one reason and another they weren't able to participate. however, they did send a written uh, some written thoughts on pre spraying, which I think is kind of what I wanted to focus on in in this episode the utility the usefulness of of pre spraying and the written response from the current HSA tactics officer, offers a nicely contrasting view to that put forth by Colin. So I am just going to read it here and leave the decisions up to you. Personally, I've never really been a fan of pre-spraying. There are several reasons which should be considered before undertaking it and evaluating its effectiveness. The gathering of meat intelligence is, or at least should be, a priority for all subgroups to operate effectively. However, with the hunts now becoming more insular and secretive, this can be an issue with regards to pre-spraying. Often meat information will come in at the last minute, and this will mean there simply won't be time to pre-spray. And if you have the meat information well in advance, well, then you have to consider the length of time between actually doing the pre-spraying and the arrival of the hunt to the cover. Weather conditions are likely to play a huge part in this. Any adverse weather will quickly blow or wash away the smell and make the effort worthless. You also have to consider the behaviour of the quarry. Foxes tend to fit into two categories, runners and sitters. A runner will usually leave the cover well in advance of the hounds arriving, but a sitter might hold tight till the last minute. Going through a cover, spraying, will force the sitters into the open where they don't really want to be, and their scent easily picked up by the hounds, or even worse, push it in their direction, something to be avoided at all costs. In my mind, it would be better to set up proper positioning by sabs, and quite often a hunt will see sabs at a cover they intend to hunt, and then move away as you already had it covered. That's a huge win, and you've made them react to your actions rather than reacting to theirs that's how you beat them can it be a psychology win yes without a doubt no huntsman will enjoy the smell of citronella in the morning but for me that's simply not enough and sab's time can be used more effectively and efficiently on other tasks and now back to the interview how much spraying are we talking in terms of volume in you know in that last example um because, obviously, when you're just out on foot, you're not able to carry, like, big you know, five-litre bottles.
1: Never spray enough. <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, basically the, what we do is we have a number of small sprays in the back of the Landis or vehicles. We have, you know, bigger bottles made up of, you know, pre-made sprays so and just pop them up. And that is the best technique. You know, if you've got a number of saboteurs, obviously you never know what happens next, but, you know, you never want to have completely run out of stuff, so it's probably good if you tell half the people who use those up and later on they can pop up and they get back to the vehicles and other sabs keep their citronella for use later on just in case a fox breaks in front of them. But, you know, you, on a standard rule, you can't spray enough and what you can equally do is because you've got the driver and normally with an ad and some people driving around in the car, they can do a lot of spraying as well. There's absolutely, there's, there's no reason not to spray liberally everywhere but said particularly the driver and a nav can start looking at bridal ways looking where the hunt might cross and spray them
0: good idea yeah yeah um and are there any instances where um citronella or like spraying is not a good idea
1: uh no really um the only thing that we never do is, you know, you do not spray the hounds. You know, um, years ago, people used to do it, like 40 years ago. But one, you know, it can sting sting the hound's eyes, but also you'll always leave confrontation. If you have anything to do with touching hounds, they'll inevitably accuse you of of spraying acid in their their eyes and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, never touch the hounds. Never, in fact, don't do it in close proximity to to the actual hounds themselves. So apart from that, there's absolutely no bad use for it. You can just spray it liberally as much as you want everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and you've talked, uh, given a lot of examples regarding uh, fox hunting. Do you have any um, sort of advice that differs when it comes to hare hunts? So, beagles and, and harriers, and I guess bassets to a lesser extent.
1: Uh, harriers, I must admit, I've never done. Um, but, but beagles and. Bassets, I've done a lot in my past, and you can use it in exactly the same way. There's lots of different tactics that it can be used on beagle packs as opposed to fox Hunt, but the spraying remains the same. It, it, it's exactly the same. You're, you're covering up the scent of the quarry animal. Um, it's exactly the same, there's no differences at all. Obviously, these days, um, most beagle packs will immediately pack up as soon as you've done so you're not, you turn up, so you probably won't even have the chance of it to spray or spray. But, um, it tends to be on most beagle packs now, if you do turn up, they're probably hunting the very first pair of the day. And as soon as, as soon as you get there, they'll try to get those hounds back and pack up. But if they haven't, if they've lost control of the hounds, which is common, um, you can spray after the first pair of the day. But after that thing, um, you know, the actual advice of the, you know, beagler's head body is just to pack up. So, you know, killing beagles is very, very easy
0: yeah okay um so just to move on from the kind of the tactical use of citronella i'm a little bit interested in in the history of spraying um citronella hasn't always been the 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 scent or the oil of of choice um can you talk a little bit about what was used in the past
1: well everything and anything uh depends how far you want to go back in history basically um Initially, every, anything, you know, some of the early sabacur tactics were more or less go down to the butcher shop and shove a load of meat into, <laughs> into the meat. Um, with a lot of vegans probably would object to that. Um, but spraying wise, people have used garlic sprays, people have used aniseed sprays, people have used anything. Anything that's a cent duller will work. You know? Um, obviously, people used to buy, you know, Bob Martins anti-nonce advertising, and that was in spray cans, but, yeah, you know, look, Again, all it is, the active agreement is citronella. So people would always say buy Antimate, should buy it from Petrax and things like that. And of course, Antimate is just disguise a uh, uh, smell of the kitchen season. But the the Antimate spray was what we used to buy an awful lot because it was ready, readily available. But equally now, you get uh, citronella as an essential oil or an oil and you can water it down so everybody uses citronella. mostly. But, you know, in the past, people have used anything, but anything that's a scent dollar will work. There's a reason why a fox that's being chased, you know, will run down a railway line, run across a road, because the road is smelly. Um, it's smelly because cars got down with all their exhausts. It, in hunting terms, it's called foil. So, when a fox runs down a road or crosses a road, he's not being dumb. He's trying to cover his scent, particularly on railway lines with all the old diesel and things like that. So, you know, another technique which works like a spray, is if you're in a car and you've seen a fox cross over the road, there's nothing wrong with going to that spot spot and gunning the engine like anything to get loads of exhaustion, because that will work just as well. Equally, there's been occasions where foxes run across, people run out of sprays, but, you know, particularly males have a, a, a very natural spray gun on them, and they just walk backwards, weeing in a field to cover the scent with, with ammonia.
0: You know, it, every,
1: anything and anything will work. <laughs>
0: that's that's pretty funny the um the advice about like yeah just like revving the engine i've i've heard people do that before and i've always wondered how that is supposed to i mean as we all know trail hunting is a massive lie but supposedly you know i've seen a lot of supposed trail layers being laid off the back of a quad but i've always thought like well you've just got the exhaust of the quad like right there like by the by the supposed rag um well
1: you things that completely contradictory. But you've got them probably with at 80 steps and something covers up there. So, yeah, it just makes a mockery of it. Obviously, you know, a particularly smelly rag can leave a but so obviously, you know, obviously it's all a complete smokescreen anyway, so hardly worth getting into. But that, you've got to realise that the fox does live in this different world than you is, it understands them. And the re- the reason why there are hounds killed in accidents on railways, and happens every year uh, without fail is the fox knows that if he goes on to the railway track, there'll be the smell of diesel and other things, and he can lose his scent there. You know, they're, they're clever little beasties. And again, with roads, they they can be smelly, so across that, you'll be safe, safer. Scent much more than we do. But, you know, certainly, car fumes will definitely work. There's to, you know, if you run out of spray, see the fox cross, get the car there, and particularly the crappy car that's, cars that take pairs, um, actually, Running with twenty-year-old Land Rovers, they do have horrible horrible engines. Perfectly, perfect.
0: perfect. <laughs> um, okay, that's. I think that's kind of a very quick and in-depth introduction to to citronella. Um, do you have anything else to say on on sort of spraying and how to use it um, that maybe I haven't already asked or we haven't really talked about?
1: think There's other tech. Some techniques can be quite good. Obviously. You have to remember sometimes the huntsman actually on a horse and he's higher up than you. And a number of sabs, when they are trying to discourage a huntsman from going into a wood to make them think that they've pre-sprayed it, have actually sprayed the citronella higher up at the height of you know a mounted rider, so they can smell it more easily. And the huntsman go, yeah, we've actually heard them. You've know, been hiding up, you know, we've heard a huntsman going, oh, the, you know, the effing antiques, they've, they've sprayed in here. I won't bother putting the hounds in. And yeah, that can be you know, if you haven't got much time you are trying to play like a psychological game to hunt to give the impression that you've actually sprayed in somewhere where you haven't, obviously that can be effective as well. Um if you wasting time if he doesn't draw that wood and if he rides off somewhere else, he's losing time
0: Okay. Um brilliant. Well, wow. Uh yeah, that is that is everything I wanted to ask. Um thank you very much for uh doing this and I hopefully it will be of, of help to some people as well. I hope so. Um
1: basically the, all the tactics, there's lots of stuff on on the Hunter Third National website and equally on various YouTube things that various subgroups put out over time. And if you do want to learn about it, you know, it, it won't take long just to view a few um videos of various groups where they use sprays. Um and yeah, effectively just see what the groups are doing and see what's working.
0: One of the easiest things to use is a spray. It's a concoction of water and citronella, uh, an essential oil, and it's totally safe and harmless. There you go. And uh, it's used to mass the scent of a fox and thereby stop the hounds from following the line of a fox. I'd hope to find an interesting academic piece about the role of scent lane by foxes and or hares when they are hunted. However, I couldn't find anything decent in the time available, though if anyone has anything, I'd be very happy to receive it. Uh, Something similar to this was mentioned by the National Pesticide Information Centre's website. When it talks about citronella to be used as an insect repellent, it says... Oil of citronella repels target pests rather than killing them. It works by masking scents that are attractive to insects. Thus, insects find it difficult to locate their target to feed. Oil of citronella may also work by masking odours attractive to animals. However, no studies could be located. So instead, I thought I'd read a brief but interesting article about the origin of the term red herring. It's fairly well known that this term has its origins in hunting, and to do with laying scent trails for hounds. However, its exact roots are subject to a degree of mythology. The website wordhistories.net does a good job in the following piece of summarising its early and different usages. Meaning Red herring A clue or piece of information which is, or is intended to be, misleading or distracting origin. The literal meaning of red herring is a dried smoked herring which is turned red by the smoke. Red herring was formerly used among other things in laying trails for hounds to follow in order to train horses which followed the hounds. This was explained by Nicholas Cox 1673-1731 in the chapter titled Of the Horse's Third Fortnight Keeping and first thorough sweating, of the book, The Gentleman's Recreation in Four Parts, viz. Hunting, Fowling, Hawking, Fishing, 6th edition, 1721. If your sport has been so indifferent as not to sweat your horse thoroughly, then you shall make a train scent of four miles long, or thereabout, and laying on your fleetest dogs, ride it briskly and then having first called him in the field, ride him home, and use him as aforesaid. Now, that I may not leave you in ignorance what a train scent is, I shall acquaint you that it has its name, as I suppose, from the manner of it, viz. the trailing or dragging of a dead cat or fox, and in case of necessity a red herring, three or four miles, according to the will of the rider, or the directions given him, and then laying the dogs on the scent. As early as 1599, the Elizabethan pamphleteer Thomas Nash, 1567 to 1601, maybe, had written, "To draw on hounds to a scent, to a red herring's skin, there is nothing comparable." In Lenton Stuff concerning the description and first procreation and increase of the town of Great Yarmouth in Norfolk, with a new play never played before of the praise of the red herring. In A West Somerset word book, 1886, Frederick Thomas Elworthy thus defined the noun, drag. 1. In fox hunting, the line of scent where a fox has been during the previous night, before he is found and started by the pack. 2. Any strong smelling thing drawn along the ground so as to leave a scent for hounds to follow, a red herring or a ferret's bed are the commonest drags used. Such a trail was artificial, and therefore false, as opposed to the trail of real game in a hunt. In the 19th century, this artificial trail was misunderstood as a deliberate attempt to distract the hounds. However, there is no evidence for such a practice, except in the text in which this interpretation probably originated. Continental War, an article published by the pamphleteer and journalist William Cobbett, 1763, 1835, published in Cobbett's Weekly Political Register of 14th February 1807. The author described the progress of the belligerent lie with which the senseless metropolis was amused and agitated during the eight days that ended on the first of this month. As a preamble, he wrote When I was a boy, we used, in order to draw off the harriers from the trail of a hare that we had set down as our own private property, get her to horn early in the morning and drag a red herring tied to a string four or five miles over hedges and ditches across fields and through coppices till we got to a point whence we were pretty sure the hunters would not return to the spot where they had thrown off. At this point in the word article there's another quote from Cobbett that um, reinforces the use of the word red herring or his use of the Uh, phrase red herring. However, uh, it's not related to hunting and not that interesting, so I shall skip over it and move on to the next part. The image of the red herring seems to have been a favourite of Cobbett's. He used it on several occasions. For example, in a letter to John Stuart Wortley, dated 28th August 1833. Hounds, harehounds at least, will follow the trail of a red herring as eagerly as that of a hare, and rather more so, the scent being stronger and more unbroken. You have been put upon a wrong scent. You have been hunting a red herring instead of a hare. Another story might also have played its role in the figurative usage of red herring. It was originally told by the dramatic biographer Gerard Langbane, sixteen fifty six to ninety two, in an account of the English Dramatic Poets, 1691. About the English clergyman, poet and translator Jasper Main, he wrote, he died on the sixth day of December, 1672, and was buried in Christchurch on the north side of the choir, having in his will left several bequests to pious uses, as 50 pounds to the rebuilding of St Paul's hundred pounds to be distributed by the two vicars of Cassington and Purton for the use of the poor of these parishes, with many other legacies, amongst which I cannot forget one which has frequently occasioned mirth at their relation. He had a servant who had long lived with him, to whom he bequeathed a trunk, and in it somewhat, as he said, that would make him drink after his death. The doctor being dead the trunk, was speedily visited by his servant with mighty expectation, where he found this promising legacy to be nothing but a red herring, so that it might be said of him that his propensity to innocent raillery was so great that it kept him company even after death. This story reappeared on several occasions during the 18th century, and may have contributed to the figurative sense of red herring as something deliberately misleading.